You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. I want to welcome everybody at home watching online live right now. If you're on vacation somewhere nicer than this, on you, but we're glad that you're tuning in nonetheless. And in all seriousness, we're glad that you're either watching this now or live down the road. Where I want to go today, I'm just going to be really vulnerable and say right now, I've had a ton of experience, and yet I feel like such an amateur. I feel a little bit ill-equipped and unqualified to talk to you about it, and yet I know that this is God's word for us today because of the things that I'm hearing from people who visited with us today and the way that God met them. And so here's where I want to start today, and that is this. When was the last time that somebody prayed with you? When was the last time somebody prayed with you? So normally the way this works, for those of you visiting or watching at home, the way this typically works for us is somebody will come up to you, maybe on a Sunday morning, and say, hey, I've got some stuff going on in my life. Will you pray for me? And usually we tell those, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then we walk away and we forget, right? So the next Sunday we see them, and like they're coming down the hall. And you go, oh, dear Lord, I forgot. Father, would you bless so-and-so? And God, I hope that it went well. And then you seem like, hey, I prayed for you. How'd it go? Okay, so the nervous laughter in the room tells me I'm not alone, that I'm not the only one, Right? Some of us have come up with tricks to deal with this, right? So like if somebody says, will you pray for me? We say yes, and we do it right now because we've learned if we say yes, we'll forget to do it later. And so we don't always pray the way that we should when we should. And I don't even understand why, just being honest. I think it's because we're too busy. We have too many other opportunities in our life that aren't prayer. So we're just too distracted in life to pray. But my life has been transformed by prayer. I don't know about yours. So I was born two months premature. The doctors in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, a couple of decades ago, let's say, uh, made a mistake about when my mom was actually due. The doctor was going on vacation. They induced labor. And when I came out, the doctor knew he'd made a mistake and had to cancel his vacation plans. I spent a couple months in the hospital baking a little longer in an incubator. And I went into cardiac arrest twice. In case you weren't sure how it turned out. It worked out okay. But, but... It was only because people were gathered together and praying that I survived. There were miracles in my story. Throughout my life, God has done things. There are things that I won't share with you, but my mom would pray and stuff would happen and I'd know I would have the perfect plan to get away with something concocted and I would get caught in the most crazy of ways and I would later, now looking back, I go, God was answering my mama's prayers. Some of you parents know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you need to get in on it. It is good stuff. My mom though, my mom was a prayer warrior. Never publicly. Nobody ever like calls my mom in a, in a group setting and says, hey, Linda, if we give you the microphone, would you be willing to pray for us? My mom would just pray for things and stuff would happen. Like when she started praying for my dad for something to happen in his job because it was so stressful and such a burden and he got fired shortly thereafter. And everybody knew, like don't ask mom to pray because you don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> but the byproduct of that answered prayer was the greatest, even though a painful season endured, the greatest thing that could have happened to my dad was he lost that job and started his own company. And God has been abundantly faithful to myself, my family, and I could go on, I could spend the entire time and then some today just telling you stories. But I just say that to say that almost every answered prayer in my life has come because others have joined me in the prayer. Did you know that Jesus actually prayed for his disciples? Before 
their trial, before their temptation, Jesus gathered them together. I read a book a few years ago called Sifted. I had no idea that God was gonna use that book to prepare me for something else in my life. And I gave that book, I give it now to other missionaries and pastor friends, and they always tell me this book was amazing. It's a great book. But in that book, he took one passage of the Bible, a passage that I had read over probably 10 or 20 times at that point. I just read it and kept moving. Nothing to see here and kept going. And this book stopped and focused in on these verses. And I'm gonna share with you right now. And let's just take a look because it's critical to understand this idea about prayer. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon. Now, Simon is Simon Peter, the guy you may refer to as Peter. Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, a few things to note. Number one, Satan had to ask permission to sift Peter as wheat and all of the disciples. Sifting is a violent process of trial. Sifting has to do with shaking the wheat so that you can separate the wheat from the chaff. It is violent, and that's the idea that Jesus is painting here. And Satan has come to ask permission. And when I read this book, something dawned on me. I'd never thought of before. Why didn't Jesus say no? If he has the power to say, no, Satan, this one's with me, but he didn't, then there must be a purpose in the sifting. See, here's the reality for all of us. You're either in a trial or you're gonna be in a trial or you've just come out of a trial. And in that process, the way that Jesus dealt with that is he lifted the disciples up to God and said, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And here's my prayer, after the trial is over, that when you have turned back, in other words, after you blew it, Peter, you didn't pass the test, you failed the test, and after you've come back to God, I pray that you will strengthen your brothers. This is exactly what we see in John chapter 21 when Jesus and Peter are having a conversation after Peter has denied Jesus three times and Jesus looks at Peter and says, now go feed my sheep. Go feed my lambs. Remember, I told you before the trial what was gonna happen. I prayed for you through the trial and now afterwards, I'm sending you back on your mission. But what's fascinating to me is Jesus has all the power of heaven and earth. We believe in a triune God, that he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus is God incarnate, God in the flesh. He had the power, and what he did with his power was he prayed. He prayed because he believed something about prayer. But not only did he pray for his disciples, in Jesus' greatest hour of need, he asked the disciples to pray in the Spirit with him. Fast forward now. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of the life and ministry of Jesus. All four of them end with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. All four of them. And all four of them take us to this idea of Jesus before he is crucified, trying to prepare the disciples for what they're going to face. But now it's his turn. It's his hour. And he's gathered in the garden to spend some time with the Father before the crucifixion occurs. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, says this. Going a little further, he, that's Jesus, fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, what is the cup? The cup is an Old Testament analogy, an Old Testament reference. You actually find it in the Psalms. That refers to the cup of the wrath of God. 
the wrath of God. The wrath of God coming. Not because God is an angry God who can't wait to hurt and to punish or to discipline. The cup of the wrath of God has to do with God's holiness. The fact that he is infinitely perfect and cannot even envision doing evil. And yet, when he created, he created both the spiritual world and the physical world to partner together and not doing evil, but bringing good, his good, into the world that he created. But instead, the two gathered together in rebellion, not all the spiritual world, but a portion of it, and all of humanity together in rebellion. Because God is infinitely righteous and infinitely holy, there is a justice side of him, and justice must be satisfied. So therefore, there is a wrath built up in the very nature of God towards evil because he hates evil and his face is only bent always toward good and toward love. Therefore, somebody or something had to drink the cup of the wrath of God. And Jesus knows that the moment, the hour has come for him to drink the cup and to drink every last drop. And he's terrified. Yes, he's going to experience unbelievable pain, unbelievable suffering as he's crucified and flogged. But this is deeper. For the first time in all of eternity, Jesus will be separated from his heavenly father for a brief moment while he carries the weight of our sin upon himself. And in his greatest hour of need, knowing what's coming, his flesh is failing him. He's tempted to not want to go forward and he's saying, if there's any other way, God, you know I will obey you. But if there's any other way, can we take plan B? Take this cup away from me. That we wouldn't have to go through with this. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was always surrendered to the Father in obedience. Then he gets up and he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour Notice who he asked. He asked Peter. Peter is the leader of the pack. Peter is the group leader, the ring leader. He said, Peter, I've already told you that Satan is coming for you. He's laying a trap for you. The hour of your trap and my suffering is here. And Peter, what I need from you right now is I need you on your knees. I need you praying for me. I need you praying for you. I need you praying for your brothers. And you're too consumed with sleep to get the job done. He goes on. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. And Jesus' greatest hour of trial and temptation, he got on his knees and he asked others to get on their knees too. But I think it brings up a great theological question. Why? I mean, if Jesus is God and he has the power of God inside him through the Holy Spirit, he even tells us uh, later in some of the Gospels, John and Luke and others, he had the power to call down all of the angels of heaven and stop the whole trial at any moment. He had the authority to do that. So why does he need to pray? 
I mean, what, really, what's the point in praying if you have all the power? If you can stop it anytime you want, why pray at all? And honestly, isn't that the game we play sometimes? Now, for us, it's a little different. Well, if God already knows what I need before I need it, then why do I need to ask him for it? Why can't he just do it? Come on, you've thought it, right? I've thought it. I'm not proud of that, but I've thought it before. Okay, besides that, why does Jesus need the disciples to pray? Why is it relevant to Jesus that the disciples join him in prayer for this hour, for this moment of his trial and temptation? I mean, you're God. You could call down angels. What do you need disciples for? And here's the short answer. You ready? It's really easy, really complex, but it's really easy. Because prayer works. The reason Jesus prays and the reason Jesus asks the disciples to pray is because prayer works. Something powerful and profound is happening in that moment where we come into the Father's presence and we open up our mouths. We're not just simply talking to the roof. We're not simply talking to the air. We are not talking to our friends. Far too many of us look at prayer as a chance to have another conversation with our eyes shut. This is a chance to come into the presence of your heavenly father who has all of the power of eternity and the universe at the tips of his fingers. And he's saying, what do you need? I can't wait to help you. And we come into that place and we draw in and we find the resources of heaven being opened up to us. James, the half-brother of Jesus. The reason I say half-brother, so for those of you who are visiting or new with this, you're kind of trying to figure this out. James and Jesus share the same mommy and Mary but they had a different daddy. Jesus' daddy is God the Father. James' daddy is Joseph the Carpenter. Now, imagine growing up in a home with Jesus as your older brother. That's a hard sibling. Like, my sister had it bad because I was awesome, but James, yes, that was a joke for those of you visiting. It's apparently not a funny one, but it was a joke. Anyway, James, though, imagine every time mom says, you know, hey, guys, go pick up your toys, and Jesus runs over immediately, like never questions, and James is throwing a fit on the floor and giving all these great excuses. Like, that's a tough one to live up to. Well, it took James a while to come around. This is not James the apostle. He gets killed pretty quickly in the book of Acts. But this James, when he becomes convinced, by the way, one of the greatest, in my opinion, if you're watching at home, you're not sure about Jesus, one of the greatest proofs that Jesus was God if you can convince your brother or your sister that you're God, that is a really good selling point, okay? That is a really good selling point. And James goes all in. When Jesus raises from the dead, he's all in. He's one of the leaders of the church. But all of that aside for a minute, here's what James says in chapter five, verse 17 of his book. Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, you may not know the story of Elijah. Elijah is one of the, if not the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. He was amazing, and the miracles he did are crazy, and so many of them point to Jesus. It's stuff that you go, really? Is that true kind of stuff? But his first miracle came in a moment of prayer. And Elijah was broken over the sin and the evil and the Israelites. And he gets on his knees and he lifts up his voice and he just says, Ah, God, make it stop raining. And God says, Okay. And three and a half years later, it hadn't rained. And what James is doing for you is he's saying, Don't misunderstand. Yes, Elijah was a prophet, but he was a man. 
In fact, the word there is mankind. He was a human like you, like me. And he was moved to pray for something, and God did it. Do you get that? Elijah, while he had some sort of special connection to God, he had nothing better than you. I think sometimes we think because of the miracles that Elijah did, that somehow he had a better connection to God than you do. Now see, if you have surrendered to God and Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Elijah would have loved to have the gift that you have in the Holy Spirit. He didn't have more than you. He had less than you in that way. And yet, when he prayed, God did something. Why? Because prayer works. James also tells us, not just that, but he also tells us to pray for each other's healing. James chapter five, verse 13, he says this, is anybody among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anybody happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. First of all, I don't always know what to do with this. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what to do with this. I do know that at various points in my life, I have been convicted by God to trust him and pray bolder prayers. There's a story that I'll leave out the details because it happened in our community, but I knew somebody sick in the hospital. And I got called to go in and pray. And I showed up. And in that moment, it was one of those moments where I felt God, the presence of God say, pray boldly. See, what we tend to do is we want to give God an out, don't we? We tend to give God some excuse like, well, God, would you just give the doctors wisdom? And I do pray. We have doctors at our church. May God give all of you wisdom. God, would you guide the doctor's hands during the surgery? Of course, if you're going to be a doctor, you're going to cut somebody's body open and do something inside there, God, guide their hand. But I think sometimes we're afraid to ask God to actually do something. And in this moment, I did. And this person's life was not looking good. In fact, their wife told me when I visited that they were encouraging them through their induced coma to just go ahead and let go and go be with Jesus. Maybe they weren't that happy when I prayed over them and things turned around. But for reasons I can't explain, this person turned around. They're still alive to this day. And the spouse attributes it to the prayer that I lifted up to God. Not to me, to the prayer opened up to God. Now, I've prayed over many people, and not everybody I pray for. Because some of you are like, I just need the pastor to pray for me. Oh, I've prayed for lots of people who died. So just let you know, that can go either way. So what do we do with that? Because the way it works in our minds of just being vulnerable is, well, maybe if I have enough faith, God will have to answer it. God is not a genie. You're never going to find him in the Aladdin movies. And he's probably not blue. But regardless, but he loves you. And he knows better than you. And when we pray to him, we're asking him. God, to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my understanding, to the best of my power, to the best of my foresight, from what I could see, from my vantage point, God, I'm just being bold enough to ask you for what I think needs to happen, but I'm trusting you. And I'm entrusting myself to you. And I'm entrusting this person and this situation to you. And God, I'm just saying, if you, 
If you agree with me that this is what needs to happen, then do it. Because I'm asking you, Father. But if you have some other plan in mind, if your answer is no, if your answer is not yet, if your answer is in another way, the Father, may it be done in such a way that you and you alone get the glory. Because that's what I want. But notice this last part. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. See, I think sometimes we don't always pray these forgiveness kinds of prayers. We don't always release people of the debt that they've accrued. It's powerful to look at somebody who has hurt you and say, I forgive you. It's a whole nother level to look at them and say, I forgive you. Now let's take it to God together so I can let him know that I have forgiven you. And you pray for blessing and healing over them. You will never experience more profound healing than the healing of forgiveness. Someday you will get sick and die. Every person in the Bible, except for two, <clears throat> experienced that. There are two people, Elijah's one of them, and there's one other who didn't die. Everybody else is batting 100%. Someday you will get a sickness and no amount of prayer in the world will heal it. You're going to die. However, the healing that could come from sin and when you come to somebody else and they pray over you and they ask God to release you, oh, let me tell you, it is powerful, profound and powerful. But all of that comes because we actually believe that prayer is powerful. That's why James also tells us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and accomplish much. In other words, when we connect our actions to our faith, it opens up heaven in a way that we can't fully explain. We can only tell you we see the effects of it over and over and over again. In James chapter five, verse 16, James says this, <clears throat> therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Imagine a place vulnerable enough for you to actually confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. This doesn't happen well in rows. This happens better in circles. And what I mean is this, on a Sunday morning when you've showed up and you've been fighting with the kids and it's chaotic and crazy to get everybody ready and out the door and you come to church and you sing some songs, it's hard to find the time and the vulnerability in this kind of environment to really say, here's what's going on in my life, here's what I've done, here's what I need prayer for, here's what I need help with, it's hard. Now, yes, it happens, but it's not the same as when you find yourself in a home with five or 10 other people, and weekly, week after week after week, you're coming together and you're opening up, you're saying, I'm dealing with this issue in my job, and I'm dealing with this issue with my spouse, and I'm dealing with this issue with my parents, or my kids, or my neighbor, or whatever it is, and they're on their knees with you, and they're lifting you up to God the Father, and you're coming back week after week, and you're sharing how God is moving, and stirring, and changing, and he's shifting you, and he's changing the situation, and you're praising him together, and you're weeping together, and you're celebrating together, and that's where vulnerability gets built, and James is describing that kind of a place, and he's saying, pray for each other that you may find the healing you're looking for and it's unlocked through the righteousness of your life I can't fully explain this I feel like honestly God has answered some prayers of mine in seasons where he probably shouldn't have answered them I wasn't necessarily where I needed to be and who I needed to be 
And that's a dangerous thing because that then leads you to believe, well, maybe I don't need to be all that God intends for me to be. And then you get your life figured out and you get things right and you watch God take your prayer life to another level and you go, oh. There's this point where Paul says to husbands, hey, you husbands, you be gentle and kind to your wives so that your prayers may be heard. I don't know what to do with that one. You can actually Google this. You'll find many Christian pastors and theologians writing about it. Everybody's struggling with it. Does that mean that if I'm not being kind and gentle to my wife that God won't hear my prayers? Here's what I could tell you. It sure sounds like that's what Paul's saying. I don't get to tell you when God is listening and when he's not. I believe that God hears everything all the time. Not quite in the Jim Carrey sense, but he literally has people. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I make movie references every once in a while. He literally has spiritual beings all over who are partnering with him. He's got the Holy Spirit going in your heart and throughout this world. He has constant communication what's going on in your lives. He hears and he knows everything. But if you really want the face of God to tune into your situation, get yourself right with God today that you might open up the storehouses of heaven and what he wants to do in you and through you by tuning in saying, now there's a man and there's a woman who has positioned themselves just right for me to act. I just had to go the other day because I wanted to watch the Cleveland Browns lose again. And I went to Lowe's and I bought a a new antenna because I'm too cheap to get cable. And so I went and I got this thing all excited because it worked really, really well. And I plugged it in. But here's the thing. You remember these like ears and you got to like turn the, like the handles, like the perfect direction. And like you're doing this thing and you're like, oh, if I touch it and I put my leg out to the side, I get the reception just right. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you like, okay. Like some of you don't remember these days. We used to do this on top of our roofs, how crazy we were, but I'm doing this thing, and I figured out if I just get in this position, I can watch the game. And everything comes in in 1080. It's beautiful. I want you to imagine prayer like that for just a moment. If you position yourself in the right way, things become clearer and brighter and more beautiful in your life. Paul knew this. That's why Paul prayed for the churches that he served. In fact, one of them, this is just one of the many, 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 many examples. In Ephesians chapter one, verse 15, Paul says this. For this very reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul went, thank you, 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 It means literally the next part, remembering you in my prayers. That means, in other words, every time Paul came into the Father's presence to pray for himself or whatever, he always took the church in Ephesus with him. Now let that one sink in for a minute. So every time my knees are hitting the ground, you're coming with me. He goes on. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And if you don't ever know what to pray for somebody, pray that. You ever find yourself driving on the road and somebody's name just pops in your mind? This kept happening to me earlier this week. Somebody's name just kept popping into my mind, popping into my mind. So I just texted him and said, I don't know why. I just keep feeling like God's telling me I need to pray for you. You doing okay? And the person was a guy, so they said, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, everything's fine, which I know it's not, but whatever. So I just kept praying. God, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to keep lifting this person up. I'm going to keep lifting this person up. God, you just revealed to me that Mike needs you. 
Father, I pray that you would give Mike the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that he may know you better. God, I don't know why. You just placed on my mind Mary right now. I don't know what Mary's going through. I don't know what Mary's facing. Maybe, maybe Mary's being sifted right now by the enemy. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, may you give Mary the spirit of revelation and wisdom and she would know you better. Whatever she's going through, would you reveal yourself to be the good and kind and faithful and merciful God that you are? This morning, uh, I couldn't tell this illustration last service because it hadn't happened yet. So you guys get the blessing of extra illustrations. But this morning, I was just praying over the message and I was kind of doing a drive-by prayer because I was pulling my notes together and putting them on here and that kind of thing and just walking and praying as I'm walking. And since the Spirit tell me, I want you to pray for this morning, and I want you to pray, Matt, that, that I would draw somebody here. And uh, last service, um, I held a man in my arms while he wept on my shoulder. In five minutes, he told me about some profound pain in his life right out here. I found myself weeping with him and apparently somebody saw us. Brian Franco walks up and hands us a box of tissues. Thanks, Brian. And he tells me that he just watched the movie. I can only imagine. He hasn't been to church in years. My prayer this morning was specifically, God, would you draw men or women here who need this specific sermon? And would you just position them in such a way that they would be moved? And this gentleman looked at me. He hadn't been to church in years. And he said, where's my Jesus? In the midst of all these terrible things that have happened, where is my Jesus? Where's my Jesus? And here was my prayer for him. Father, would you open his eyes that in the midst of this thing that he told me, that he could see you as an angry father not okay with the evil of this world. But could he also see you as a loving savior, wrapping your arms around him and holding him in those moments, weeping with him over what the evil one has tried to do. He and I cried some more, we hugged some more. I got his information so that we as a church could serve him. But you know what I was really praying in my heart? I'm praying these words. God revealed to him just how faithful you are. That's why Paul goes on and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, opened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. I mean, I, I preached the snot out of this passage a couple years ago, but you gotta come back to this one every once in a while, right? I mean, the whole point of what Paul's saying is, if you aren't sure if there's power in prayer, look at the resurrection. Because the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that God wants to unlock for you when you pray. And God, I'm praying, Paul's saying. I'm praying for you, church in Ephesus. I'm praying for you, Kingsway, that you would come to know that power, that your eyes would be open, that your heart would be open, that your mind would be open, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you when you pray.
When was the last time someone prayed with you and kept praying? The same Paul who wrote that is the same Paul who said, through prayers and petitions, we make our requests known to God. I mean, sometimes one prayer isn't enough. Sometimes we've got to keep praying and 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 keep praying. That's why Paul said to the church in Ephesus, every time I pray, you're coming with me. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying because I don't know why. I just know it works, and sometimes it takes lots of times before it works. Sometimes God's saying no, and I'm not ready to accept no, and I'll just be honest, and he's growing me through that. Sometimes God's saying not yet, so you got to keep asking until the yet comes. And maybe God's saying, yes, I want to do that, but not the way you think. And i got to change your heart to position you right. There's a whole bunch of answers that God could give. I only know he wants to give them. Imagine with me for a moment. A group of people so committed to prayer that they were lifting you up regularly. What would be different in your life if you knew that was happening? What would be different in your life if you didn't know that was happening? What would be different in your physical life, in your spiritual life, in your everyday life, if there were a group of people so committed to you that they don't look at you and say, man, I'm praying for you, but they actually hit the ground, scars and scabs on the knees, because they're praying for you. Because here's what I can tell you. That's hard to do on a Sunday morning where you're sitting next to each other in a row. It's much more easy and it's much more powerful. There are people in my life when I send a text message out and say, guys, I need you to pray for me. Here's the thing I'm dealing with. I don't even have to go any deeper. They say, we're on it, pastor, and they're doing it. And I know it. And not only is it encouraging to me, I know it's doing something in the spiritual world that I can't understand. Here's the thing. Just like this gentleman who came last service, there is a group of people ready to pray with you today. In fact, they're ready to pray with you right now. If you're willing, we are too. Maybe the breakthrough for your marriage is waiting for these prayers. Maybe that financial struggle you're having is waiting on these prayers. Maybe for the healing from that deep and profound wound you're experiencing is waiting for these prayers. Will you let us pray with you? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start a prayer. I'm not gonna say amen. I'm gonna pray in Jesus' name and walk off the stage. And then I'm gonna encourage you when I walk off to just get up when you're ready. This is the perfect moment for you to engage with God. There are communion tables set up all over the room. I just want you to Find the bread and the juice to celebrate that because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you can now walk right into the throne room of God, climb up in dad's lap and say, God, here's what I need. And I want you, if you ever had kids, imagine, imagine that kind grandpa picking you up, putting in his lap, putting his arm around and saying, what's going on? I want you to imagine God as a father as you pray to him. But I also want you to ask him in that moment, God, is there anybody else that I need to pray for? And if God prompts you to pray for someone else, do it. If you see somebody in the room and God prompts you to go to them and say, I don't know why, I just feel like God told me to pray for you. If you are so connected with the Spirit, he does that, you just walk up and say, I don't know why, I feel like God told me to pray for you. And you just do that. They may look at you like you have three heads. It's cool, it's cool, you probably do, right? 
So just say, let them, just let them say, it's fine, just pray over me. We will actually have people down front, they're wearing connect shirts, you can find them, they're like lavender colored, purple colored, just find one of them and say, I don't even know why I need to pray, I just need somebody to pray with me. You could be as vulnerable as you want, you can go as deep as you want, whatever, we're ready to pray with you right now. Let's pray. God, we come to you today. We need you. God, we know that we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates us. He is planning things in our life right now to trip us up, to make us quit on you. And Father, just like Jesus prayed for the disciples, I want to lift up every single person in this room and watching at home online right now. Oh, God, move in this place. Stir in our hearts. God, please, we need you. Give us the strength to stand up to the enemy. Give us the endurance to push through this trial. Father, encourage our faith through this that our character would grow, our perseverance would grow, our endurance would grow. God, I pray for those, maybe like the gentleman last service who came today and didn't even know that they needed a word from you today, that I pray your Holy Spirit is going throughout this place and speaking to our lives. May we find the encouragement and the hope that we need in the name of Jesus. God, as we take this bread and juice, remind us of how good and faithful you are to us. Even the Holy Spirit is interceding for us right now in your presence when we don't even know what to say. Because you love us so much, you want to make sure that every prayer gets uttered and every prayer gets answered. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. God, please don't let us leave the way we came in. So many of us are so afraid to open our mouths, so afraid we'll say the wrong words, so afraid we'll mess it up, whatever it is. Father, Father, take away the fear and give us courage. We would open our mouths and see you move. Father, as we bring you our offerings, receive these. They're a small gift back for all the amazing things that you've done and continue to do for us. God, I pray. I pray for our Connect team right now. Give them boldness in their prayers over those who come to them. That God, they would just know exactly what to pray and how to pray, God, to provide hope and breakthrough in people's lives. May you be praised in us now and forever. In Jesus' name.